Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius again. We are going through the book of First Peter. We are now in chapter 3. Apostle Peter, in this chapter 3, will be talking exhortation to husbands and wives and so on. So this is going to be useful for every one of us in the house to conduct ourselves, how to live in harmony one with another. When we take key to some of this exhortation. Chapter 3 of First Peter. Likewise, ye wives, now he's addressing the wives first. Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be warned by the conversation of the wives. Now that is very important. He said if the husband is not obeying the word of God, the wife can even help converting the husband back to the word. By your own conversation, it's not just by your words, it's by your actions. The conversation in this uh, by exhortation is talking about words and deeds because if all you are doing is nagging and nagging and nagging and complaining and beating your husband with the words of the Bible, you are not going to do this, you are this or that, that's not going to win anybody. Your conversation is your attitude, your holiness, your meekness, and he is going to explain it right now in the next verse. So while they behold your chaste conversation, means your chaste attitude. Couple with fear. I mean, you are serving the husband as serving the Lord. And he went for them, but he said, Who's are done? Said, How you are done yourself, you make yourself beautiful. Let it not be that outward are done. That is not the one that's going to win anything from God. The outward are done of plating of the air, of gold, and all this, the best of the dress and so on, that a lot of people spend a lot of money to acquire. Say that shouldn't be your priority. But what I have done is say you should be doing. But let it be verse 4. Let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. That's how a wife, a godly woman should be. Meek as humble and quiet, not the one that is talkative and that wanted to say, I, I have my I have a ministry too. I want to show that is not meekness that is not humility many people trying to become reverend uh, uh, prophetess this if you look between behind the scene they were sometimes opposing their husbands at all and sometimes they are offending god by just being uh, forceful in many of those things so many of times you have to if they listen to this exhortation they will see that they make a quiet spirit with the first and foremost for the wives in the household of in their own household first. Say, which is in the sight of God of great price, meek and quiet spirit. Verse 5 for after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves. That is how, how by that meek and quiet spirit. Not in elaborate gold and necklace and special dressings of this adult, no the fashionable dress of the world of ungodliness, they say that meekness, modesty. They are done themselves with that meek spirit, being in subjection to their own husbands. So he's pointing out that if people are just incorrigible, like we call it, they are uncontrollable, but their husband, they wanted to dominate their husband, they are already offending in the, in the word of God. They are already offending the word of God. Let's tell you, point it out. 
those that wanted to dominate their dictator, their, 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 they have a critical spirit against their husband, they are controlling spirit. Those are said that those are spirits of witchcraft. Controlling spirit, I wanted to control their husband. It's the spirit of witchcraft. So what is, what is witchcraft? A spirit that wants to control the husband is a spirit of witchcraft. So he said the only women they are in subjection to their own husband. He's talking of the husband and wife now. Because we are not saying you should be subjected to every man in the street. No. It's to your own husband he's talking about. Because God is looking at the household that is the head of that household. The husband is directly under Christ. And the woman is to be subjected to that husband so that God can be leading the household. That is very important. It's between husband and the wife. But if the wife is the one that is going to control her husband, he's already in disparity with God. It's like two, two captains in a boat. One wants to row right, the other wants to row left. Then there will be this, there will be confusion. So that's what Apostle Peter is using, and that's what God has ordained in the Word of God. And those that are submitting themselves to the Word of God, they are blessed. Those that are thinking this is not for them, Somehow they may they may think they are okay, but see, many of them they are cut short. Because if people are not obeying the word of God, so God God allowed them sometimes to be taken out, out of the earth earlier than expected. That's many times we have found out that many people die younger than they should because of not obeying these principles and precepts of the word of God. See, many people that live long is because they are submitted to the word of God. But six said, even as Sarah, talking about Abraham, bringing an example, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. That is, if you are doing well and you are obeying this precepts of the word of God, being subject, being in submission to your own husband, in subjection to your own husband, say that you are like Sarah, who was as a wife of Abraham, calling him Lord, that is master, boss. Not just saying it verbally and not doing it. You can't say it's Lord, but you are not obeying. You can't say it's Lord, but you are controlling, you are controlling, controlling spirit. So you have to be submissive. So it's a submissiveness. Now it's going to talk to the husband in verse 7. So the explanation is for everybody. The husband has their own part. The wife has their own part. The children also have their own part. Then it's going to go on and on to the other people. Because we started this in chapter 2 where you talk about the servants, employees, how you should conduct yourself between to your husband, to your to your masters. But now he's talking to the wives, how they submit to their husband. Now he's going to talk to the husband, how they should be loving their wife and also obeying Christ. Verse 7. Likewise ye husbands dwell with them that dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Now, you have to remember Apostle Peter was one apostle that we know he was married, even when he was following Christ. Before Christ calling, he was married and he stayed married throughout. He said, well, I was able to handle it when they were going from, from town to town. Well, sometimes they came back home. That was why Jesus Christ was able to heal his, uh, his mother-in-law. But he was married. So he knew what he was talking about when he talked about how to deal, how to live with your wife. He said, according to knowledge, and you use your knowledge, wisdom that this is a good time. And he's going to give an example here in verse 7. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. 
Now, what does weaker vessel mean to him? When people say, well, my wife is not weak, it's not talking about weakness of the muscle of this flesh or so, but think of a weaker vessel in the, in the form of when you have in your household, you have different types of cups. Cups. There's a plastic cup and there's a, a cup made of glass. The cup made of glass may be very precious to you, but it's weaker than the cup made of plastic because you drop both of them on the floor and the and the one that is the weaker vessel will crash to pieces and you can't gather that uh, glass. It's gone, destroyed. But the, the cup that's made of plastic, you can pick it up and still use it again. It just bounce up and down also. But it's, it may not be as precious as that glass cup. So you only take that glass cup delicately. Only on special occasions that you pull it out to entertain friends, entertain kings. But the, the plastic cup, you handle it to little babies, they can drop it in, okay, you, you pick it up again. So that's what is talking when you talk of weaker vessel, it doesn't mean they are not precious, they are very precious. That's why you should treat your wife very precious, but weaker vessel because they, that's where the devil went through Eve and was able to deceive Eve because that's the weaker vessel emotionally, the weaker vessel spiritually emotionally especially because of that weakness is saying deal with them giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel that's what you are doing when you take that glass cup and you put it in a very special place and you don't just grab it carelessly that can drop and fall as the glass because you are giving honor to that glass cup where to the plastic cup you don't give that much honor so that's what he's saying, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. That is, we are both inheriting this grace of God. So if we are both inheriting it, you have to respect the other person that is also inheriting it. Just like you are respecting the other brother, you are respecting the pastor, you are respecting the co-workers in, in, the, in the vineyard of Christ. We have to respect one another because we are all inheriting this grace of God. The same with your wife. He's also inheriting this grace of God. So you remember you are being heirs together of the grace of life so that your prayers be not hindered. He's saying if you mistreat your wife, your prayers can be hindered. Now we can also remind the woman also if you mistreat your husband, your prayer also is hindered. Because even though you put this hindering of prayer under the man, it's, it's both ways. Just the same way, even if you believe you are between men and men in the church, if you are mistreating the members of the church, you are disrespecting to the members of the church. You don't respect that person. You are dictatorial among the in the board of uh, church members, board, board of directors of the church. All those type of things, just misbehavior, we hinder your prayer too. So even is putting it in the in in the exterior to husbands when they are linked with their wife, it's also for everybody. If you mistreat the other person, you are hindering your prayer because God is the judge of all these things. Like, like Apostle Paul wrote in his letter, he said that do not defraud one another. See, God is the judge of all things. That defrauding is not just about defrauding them in business, it's defrauding them in, in anything. Defraud ye not one the other, which include that don't mistreat, don't mishandle, don't uh, abuse, don't, uh, don't uh, misbehave, don't uh, yell and scream and, and dictatorially upon other believers. As if you are the boss. 
Christ is the boss. We are all brethren. So all of those things is what they say. If you mis misbehave or misunderstand things like that, you are also hindering your own prayer. Just like a husband that is not treating his wife, we also is hindering his own prayer. Now verse eight. Now he's talking to everybody, not just the husband or the wife. So now to everybody in the church. Finally, that's First Peter chapter three verse eight. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil. You see, that's why I think it is for everybody, not just for the husband or for the wives or for the world also. It's for every believer, to every believer, to every person in the world. Don't render evil for evil. Or railing for railing. Somebody yell at you, don't yell back and turn to verbal war. Verbal Many of us fall into that offense because of the uh, our body that is still not responding right or because we, we, we are gravitated and these emotions kicking before you know you are also yelling back. But when you remember who you are, that you are a child of God, remember these scriptures and don't, don't return evil for evil, don't return railing for railing. Just keep your cool and begin to pray for yourself. Even though the hunger is boiling in your heart, just pray for yourself because very soon when you keep doing that, when you keep exercising that patience, Holy Ghost will take over and make your soul to be able to have long suffering. But that long suffering that is the attribute of, of love, which is part of the Lord, God is himself long suffering. When you begin to exercise it, the Holy Ghost will help you to suppress all those emotions. That want to kick into anger and kick into raging and yelling back and rendering railing for railing. Long time begin to come on you as you exercise it. You have to exercise this thing. It's just like muscle. Your muscle will be built as you exercise your muscle. If you don't exercise, it just be flabby. You may be fat, but you be flabby, not as useful. But as you exercise those muscles in lifting weight. Then you see your muscle getting stronger and stronger. That is the same thing with exercising these attributes of love, patience, godliness, patience, long suffering, kindness, self control. You have to exercise it. When the situation comes, remind yourself who you are and try to exercise that patience. Try to exercise that long suffering. Try to control yourself so that you don't jail back. So that try to calm yourself down with the word of God. As you exercise, you become part of you. And that's how you get better and better. And that is what the exhortation is all about. That don't render evil for evil. You say, well, yes, how can we do it? That is why the Holy Ghost is given to us to help us on the way. It is God that walketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. As you yield to this word of God, the Holy Ghost will help you to temper your emotions. Temper your emotions so that it becomes part of you. Because the Holy Ghost is already deposited in you and me that are born again. And if you are not born again, ask Jesus Christ to fill you with the Holy Spirit and to give you the new birth. And once you have the Holy Spirit, just yield to the word of God that you read here and pray over it that, Lord, this is what you said in your word. Help me, give me the grace to abide by it, to exercise it. And when the occasion comes, when the sin arises, just remember what the Bible says and then abide by it. And the grace is there, Holy Ghost is in you, make it easier on your body, just follow. And that's what Apostle, Apostle Peter is referring to when he said, don't render evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise, blessing. That's what we should be doing, bless. 
somebody is cursing, then you will be blessing them. Knowing that ye are, they are unto called that ye should inherit a blessing. And we are called to inherit a blessing, so we should be blessing people. Not cursing them, just blessing them. Verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, how can you get that? Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Now, this is a very important Bible verse and is quoting the book of Psalms. Go and look at it in Psalm 34, about verse 12. And the book of Proverbs also mentions something like that also. He that will love life and see good days, that is, if we want to live a long life, we should control our tongue because if we speak evil of people, those things, they come back and, and hunt human beings. Say by your the words of our own mouth, they shall be condemned or shall be judged. So the Apostle Peter is giving us an exhortation that is useful for us to practice to keep our tongue, refrain our tongue from evil, is what he's saying there, verse 10. If we love life and to see good days, let us refrain our tongue from evil and our lips that they speak no God. That is, cut your lips so that you don't speak bad words. Don't speak lies as guy, lies, deception, and so on. We cut our lips. Say we live long life, we live peacefully because God blesses those tongues and those people. And the, the word of people's mouth can be the cause of the punishment and wrath from God upon them. So that's what he said. Verse 11 said, Anyone that wants love like you, let him eschew evil, that is, abandon, you know, hate evil, and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, that is, ensue it. That is, you should be seeking for peace between man and man. As Apostle Paul said in our place, as long as it's within your power, make sure you live peaceably with all men. Peaceably with all men. And that's what the same thing Apostle Peter is saying that if we want to have a law, we love life and, have, and see good days, we should refrain our tongues from evil. We should let our lips not speak, guy. We should hate evil and do good. We should seek peace. Peace. And pursue peace. Now, verse 12. These are all what you see in the book of Psalm 34. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That is uh, directly from the book of Psalms. That the face of God is against them that are doing evil. So if we keep our tongue from evil, we will be only having the blessing of God upon us. Verse 30 says, and who is he that we arm you if ye be followers of that which is good? That if we come to follow that which is good, who is going to harm us? Nobody. If the devil come try to harm us, God will be defending us because the devil hates people that are doing good. But God is on our side to defend us all the time. Verse 40 But if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror. I mean, if we may suffer for righteousness' sake, for example, you go and preach to somebody. And they get upset because of your preaching and they want to do harm to you, say that be happy. If you are doing the right thing and you are punished for it, say be happy. So don't be afraid of their terror, verse 14. Neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That is, glorify God 
said God our Father, God is what you are serving, that's why you are serving him. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That is, be evangelistic. And even if you are not going about preaching from place to place, be, let the word of God be ready in your mouth, ready to tell them, why are you like that? Why are you this? Because the Bible says that you give like this. Somebody may say, why are you taking that? If you keep being so quiet, you'll just be treading upon you. you see, the Bible said, this is how a, a saint you live. That's why Apostle Paul said, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that's in you, with meekness and fear. And you'll be able to tell them about crime when they see your lifestyle is different, your behavior is different, you are not participating in your ungodly thing, you are not trying to avenge yourself or defend yourself. You want to know why are you different? You tell them it's Jesus in me. Christ has made a difference in my life. Well, you should fight back. Say, God is going to fight for me. Let God undo this thing. They may think you are fool, but let God undo this. See, God is maybe, maybe judging slow, but he's judging fine. Very important. So that is one of the things saying, be ready to give an answer of the hope that's in you. Verse 16. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. He said, they will be ashamed when they see that you are doing good and they are accusing you that you are doing bad. I remember when I was still working in a place in, in Africa. I was working in a, in a place, Nigerian external telecommunication. And every evening I would go about preaching about with my jeep, preaching from village to village. And then very soon I got some young believers that follow me and we would go about. Many people would laugh at us. Many of my co-workers, they were laughing. And they would say to my face that I was just making making it for, making all those things just for cover up. They would accuse me that I must be doing something secretly. But you see, that was accusation. But the point is, but Peter is saying, having a good conscience, whereas they speak evil of you as evil doers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. You know how, what I was giving testimony? Many of times they accuse and say this brother, this man may be doing this, he's just doing it for sure, he's just doing it for that. But they saw the difference in my life, which they said behind my back. When I left that place, many of them, looking back at how I lived my life for those three years among them, they gave their life to Christ. But this man was different. He didn't go to party with us, he was always going about preaching and things like that. And when I left the place, many of them gave their life to Christ. They wanted to be a different person also. That is really what we are talking about. Said they will be ashamed when they, when they see your good conversation in Christ. They, they, they will be ashamed that falsely accuse you. Verse 17 says, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. So God is saying, it's better if we suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. So don't suffer for evil-doing. Don't be an evil-doer. But if you suffer for well-doing, say God is going to be blessing you for that. Verse 17 says, For Christ also has once suffered for us, for sins. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, not for his own sins, but for our own sins he suffered. Because he's not saying that he suffered for his own sins, he has no sin. But for our own sins he suffered. 
said it just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit. That is, Christ was put to death in the physical, but he was quickened by the Holy Ghost, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now, this is the first place where this was reported that our Lord Jesus Christ, when he died for three days, he went to preach to the souls in prison in hell. Or wherever prison places they were. Because there are many prison places where souls were kept. That were dead. And Christ went to preach to them. He said that was Apostle Peter was referring to here. He said, by which also by his death, he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Who are these spirits? He explained in verse 20. These spirits which sometimes were disobedient. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few that is eight souls were saved by water. So Apostle Peter is making us to understand that when Jesus Christ went for those three days in the grave, the spirit and soul left that body that was crucified and went to preach to the souls and spirits that were in prison. And the Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter is trying to make us to say that these spirits and souls are the people that were destroyed in the days of Noah. When Noah was building the ark, you say, you think Noah could preach to the whole world? Even if there are just one million people in the world then, that was a lot of people. And Noah was not shy to go and preach to them. He was shy to build an ark for his own sake. His own sake. His own Let maybe people come by and the son building an ark, maybe he was preaching. Was not going from city to city preaching. You see. But say many of them did you not know, get the opportunity to hear that they are doing wrong, they need to repent. And God was going to bring the blood upon them. So many of the inhabitants of that generation didn't get the opportunity. Maybe they would have shamed. Maybe some of them would have repented, I see. And but Jesus Christ went to preach to the souls in prison. Because when they died in the were all died in their sin, of course. And they were all kept in different compartments of hell, suffering till the Messiah come. And when Jesus Christ died, he went there. So Apostle Peter is the only one that mentioned this one here, that made us to see that when Christ died on the cross, for those three days, he was preaching to the souls, to the spirits in prison, like Apostle Peter said it, which sometimes were disobedient. So these people were disobedient in the days of what? The days of Noah, while the ark was preparing. Only few eight souls were saved by water. Now you know, verse 21 said, the same way eight souls were saved by water, that's how God is saving us also by his baptism, by water baptism. So the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the feet of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. By the restoration of Jesus Christ, we are being saved by water baptism first. What about him and then the spirit baptism is what is saving us. Who is gone into heaven? Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave and is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and power being made subject unto him. So he's pointing out that Christ, after he has resurrected, he will gone back to heaven and is now at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and power being made subject unto him. But he was in the grave for three days to free the souls in prison. But have the opportunity they were disobedient their time but no pushing to them during the time of Noah 
So they were they had their chance. The, the Messiah came and manifested to them, and those who would be saved will be saved among them. But he said that was in the hand of God. He said, but he lacked like that the same way as the water destroyed them then and saved Noah, the same water that destroyed them saved Noah and carried the ark. See, the same way the water is, but the water baptism is how we are being saved also now, not washing of our skin, but the baptism by the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ spiritually also. That is the baptism that really saving us, the baptism of our soul into the body of Christ. We are being put into the body of Christ. And that is the baptism that is saving us. And water baptism is symbolizing it in the physical. And Christ has gone up to heaven now waiting for the final time when he's going to come back to bring the kingdom of God waiting for. And we continue this in the next broadcast. God bless you. Amen.